1: Top of the morning to you, IB family. How are we doing today? Welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Vince DiDario. that is Brian Driscoll, and we are going to have some fun today. <clears throat> During our little uh, pre show mixer, we thought about taking this show a complete opposite direction. We decided that's probably not a great idea, so uh, <laughs> we're going to stick with what our expectations are <laughs> for Notre Dame season, and uh, where we think things are going to go, and where other people think Notre Dame season is going to go, and that required a little bit of research on my part prior to the show. So we kind of went into the wayback machine a little bit and looked at where people thought that Notre Dame should be prior to each season, and then of course where they ended up. And you're going to see a trend, frankly, and um, a trend that has made me money in the past, which is always nice. So um, it's it's very interesting and it's very real as well with the pessimism that is starting to surround Notre Dame football. And I told Brian before the show, (laughs) we need to trademark BKPTSD because it is a real thing, people. It is a a real thing. And I will tell you that I have it. And I try to ignore it, but it creeps up on you, man. And it is it is a real thing. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too today, Brian. And this is going to be a fun show. And this is going to kind of kick off yeah. our let's get back to this year's team talk, right. I guess is the best way to put it. And I mean, we're creeping up on, you know, not creeping up. We're in July. Next month around this time, they're going to be. In fall camp, most likely, and so we got to start talking about this twenty two team. Not that recruiting isn't exciting, because it is. It sure. is super exciting, but there is Look, the present dude, team.
2: Season kicks off in less than two months. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting there, July sixth. The season starts September third. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's less than two months away. Exactly. And recruiting has kept us incredibly busy, and we're thankful for that. But, no you know, we've been itching to get back to this. And, and when we talk about expectations, we're not talking big picture. We're not talking about what the standard should be at Notre Dame, right? Because we've always said that it the goal should always be a championship, right? That's always the objective. Now, that doesn't always mean that's a successful season, but that's the ultimate standard, right? Absolutely. And so... To me, when I look at it, Vince, it, it's it's what should we be expecting of this football team? Yes, is this team capable of meeting that standard? And and we kind of we kind of go through this every year, right, Vince? I mean, oh, last yeah. year we were convincing people why it was absurd that the over under for Notre Dame was eight and a half, and we'd have people coming into this chat, they would just come up with every reason in the world for why this was going to be the year that Notre Dame takes a step back. And last year was well, look at all the the players they lost and they ranked in like the 120s in regards to return you know production returning according to Bill Connolly who i dislike his his formula for you know his whole ranking it's not really a ranking but you know his S&P SP+ plus or whatever it is but one thing he does that is valuable cuz everybody can bring some value in some regards just about right is he does this a formula of returning production right and last year Notre Dame was in the 120s. I think they're in the bottom five, out of like and 130, year, right? Or, yeah. yeah. And then this year they rank in the 60s. So there's clearly a lot of production coming back. And there's a lot of talent coming back, and and from a team that really, honestly, didn't play that well last year, Vince, and still won 11 and two, right? Right. And so you know you look at it, and and there's a lot of reasons to 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 have some understandable skepticism about this football team. I think there's even more reasons to be kind of excited about this football team. And so we're going to dive into those. And that's what the purpose of the show is Vince, because what I have felt for years is that there was this, this shift that happened kind of little about little past the halfway point of Brian Kelly's tenure and coming into Kelly's tenure, obviously Notre Dame had been down for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, they finished the, they finished the season in, 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 um, in 2010, on a really strong note, you know, they were at four and five at one point in time and finished the year with four straight wins, you know, beat USC for the first time in eight years, spanked Miami to bowl game, Right. had a lot of players coming back. And there was, you know, pretty high expectations for Notre Dame that yet yeah, next year. They they start the season ranked 16th in, in the AP poll, and, and of course, they disappointed. Well, then the next year, they start the season unranked. And lo and behold, Notre Dame goes and plays for a championship yeah. that season yeah, and has good wins. And then kind of the expectations are back again. And, you know, hey, where's Notre Dame going to be? And they, you know, rank 14th in the preseason in the coaches poll, or I mean the AP poll 11th in the coaches poll, and they disappointed again. And it was just kind of like that was kind of the theme. They finished 20th and 24th that year, went 9-4. and four. You know, your your great season-ending victory was a – bowl pinstripe bowl went over ruckers and and it just kind of continued on and on and on and on and you know 2014 you start 17th in both polls because again you finish 20th and 24th and then they rise all the way into the top five and then plummet and finish outside of the top 25 same thing kind of happened the next year you know expectations are high uh, are, are not as high because of the struggles. And then Notre Dame overachieves a little bit on those expectations. Actually, they, that was the one year they were right at it. They finished day 11th and then they finished 11th uh, due mainly to losing their last two games. So after that, it was kind of like, okay, what is this team at? And then at, it was, it was odd. It's kind of like, you know, that was kind of the preseason rankings in 2016. They're a preseason top 10 team and they go four and eight. Yeah. And I just feel like the shift at that point in time kind of turned into, okay, everybody thinking that this is going to be the year that Notre Dame turns it around, and they just never did. And then you started seeing, like, you know, start paying more attention to the Vegas odds, Vince. And and this is the the intel that Vince brought up, because we wanted to find out, you know, what was the over-under on on their wins? Because I remember last year was eight and a half. and, And didn't it start lower than that? It was yeah. I think it was started probably like seven like and seven and a half. Seven
1: and a half. It, either was one, either way it was a joke. Like it, I yeah. I, I was. I don't bet that much to be honest with you, especially long term like future mm-hmm. bets, which is what that is called as a futures bet. That is not something that I normally do because then your money's in limbo forever, and you gotta wait and all that. <clears throat> And when I talk, when I say money, I'm like talking like 10 bucks. Like, that,
2: that's, let me be We're real like clear m- on that. Throwing a couple mortgage payments to Notre no, Dame, winning their year. Nah,
1: I, winning I, their I, I think I bet the most money I've ever bet on that over and under though at eight and a, eight and a half, because I was shocked that that's what it was. I think right. I put a 20 spot on it. Right. And I'm like, that's the most money I ever spend at one Which, time. Which if y'all know Vince, <laughs> right? Like yeah, that's, that's yeah. So But eight and a half just seemed ridiculous to me. But then I started looking back, uh, per Brian's assignment today, I started looking back over the last few years, all the way back to 2017, and it's kind of the same thing every year. every year.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line.
2: In 2017, the mm-hmm. over under preseason was seven and a half. Understandable, they were coming off a four and eight season. They won ten. Then, because it's does it include postseason, Vince? It Is does not. Regular
1: season okay. only. Yeah,
2: at least that's what. So the, at least so, recently, for sure. So they won nine. Yeah. So we'll go there. They won nine. The next year, it, oh, the over under is nine wins. Nine wins this time, and they won. Oh, they won twelve. The next year, 2019, the over under is nine and a half wins, and they won ten. This is just going regular season. Right, right, right. The next yeah. year, 2021, it was eight and a half wins, and they won ten. And that was in the regular season. That was in the ACC with a schedule that only had ten games on. They only had
1: ten games exactly.
2: And yeah. then last year, they were eight and a half, and they won eleven. And so every year Notre Dame has surpassed what the over under is. And in a lot of years, it's been by a couple games, you know, yeah. seven and a half to nine, it's a game and a half, uh, nine to 12, nine and a half to 11, eight and a half to 10, uh, eight and a half to 11. I mean, you're talking about not really that close no. to be honest with no. you, even, and that's just including regular season. So, the, the, there's always this kind of expectation, and, and I remember kind of mocking some of the stuff. There was the one guy, SP+, that yeah. came out with Notre Dame in the preseason top 25. We projected him to go 7-5. and five. And I was just like, what are, does what, that make are, sense what are you doing? what are we doing here? If you're seven right? and like, five, are you're not in the top here? 25. And then that's we clear. had to, well, that's, <laughs> th- that's even a dumber part, but this yeah, is I mean, the same formula tough. that has right. LSU or had LSU ranked behind <laughs> Ohio state and Clemson after the 2019 season was over yeah, That's and LSU had won a national title. Clearly
1: the best team in college
2: football. That so, year, and it wasn't yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway, the formula is a little flawed, but seven and five. And then there's all these reasons why. And so many Notre Dame fans last year bought into it. And it was, How good North Carolina was going to be, right? You know how good Wisconsin was going to be. This is the year that USC turns it around, right? It was a lot of the same stuff. We're kind of here now, right? And 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 it just was. And then it would be like you you'd look for everything good about the opponent, and then nitpick everything wrong with Notre Dame, right? And and it was just kind of a puzzling. It was a puzzling off season for me, to be honest with you. And and now we're kind of back at it, where it's like. You know, it just it's a little puzzling. And then the best part is the people who 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 will say, well, you know, an eight, nine wins. I'm a realist. Being negative doesn't make you a realist. You can be a realist who has a negative point of view. You can be a realist who has a positive point of view. But just being negative doesn't make you a realist. I don't think we understand what that term means. And and so, you know, as if anyone who thinks I gonna be good is like working outside the scope of reality. You've got, you've
1: got your your to, rose to, colored glasses right, on, right? When
2: I'm like, no, I'm just looking at what they've done the last five years with a mediocre head football coach. Yeah. And, and so to me, when I when I look at this season, Vince, it, it's just a it's a little bit of a head scratcher. It now is. I think the preseason rankings are are pretty spot on. I think they have Notre Dame between like six to eight. And that's I get that I can live with that I absolutely can live with I, that I I, I kind of scratch my head at some of the teams ranked ahead of them well but you know maybe enough. I I'm comfortable six to eight I just would maybe put different teams ahead of them perhaps sure but that's kind of what we get down to right is is we're going to hold Notre Dame to a different standard than we hold everybody else now Notre Dame yeah. should be held to a different mm-hmm. standard than everybody else in regards to what we're expecting from the football team what I'm referring to is looking at a first year quarterback. Being a concern for Notre Dame, which makes the, it really problematic when they travel to Chapel Hill. Uh, Chapel Hill—that's where North Carolina is, right? Didn't they just lose a three-year starter quarterback who was more productive than what Jack Cohn was? Yeah, right? I'm pretty sure that's the case, right? Well, and then we just kind of go through this over and over again. Yeah, right? exactly. And and that's kind of where this came from—is like, okay, let's let's talk it out. Right, let's talk it out. Let's talk about where Notre Dame is, where Notre Dame should be, what are the legitimate reasons for concern, mm-hmm. what are the legitimate reasons for why you should be excited about this team, and then ultimately, events to where do we fall on? And then we had a great super chat from Kevin uh, Carter earlier, too, which yeah. I really appreciate, Kevin. We will get to that, too, at the end when we dive into the mailbag.
1: Yes, absolutely. You'll be You'll be the first one in the queue, my friend, so thank you very much for that. Really appreciate it.
2: So Vince, let's dive first into sort of the reasons to be a little bit concerned about this sure. team. Okay. And I think the first one is obvious. You have a first-year head coach. And say whatever you want about Brian Kelly, whatever he was old. doing. Yep. Right? Whatever Brian Kelly was doing and sometimes not doing, the result the last 5 years was 10 and 3, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 10 and 2, 11 and 2. Right? So, I mean, it was working. You've got a 36-year-old first-year head coach at a school that, if we're being honest, Vince, hasn't had great success with guys who have never been head coaches before. Sure. Right? And sure. so I think that's where a lot of the concern, understandable concern, comes from. So I think that's the first area where where if you're going to tell me you're concerned because you need think Marcus Freeman needs to prove himself, okay. That's fair. I can, someone, yeah. I can understand that.
1: Now, I I, I would push back a great deal on if your evidence is the Oklahoma state game based on his head coaching <laughs> right. Ex- ex- experience. Right. I would, I would push back on that because number one it was a completely different staff. You know, there, there were very many extenuating circumstances that had to do with that game. So mm-hmm. you can have your reservations about him as a head coach because he's never been one. And I'm fine with that. I will not push back on that. But if the next sentence out of your mouth is because of what happened in the Oklahoma state game, then I have an issue because I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That is not indicative of, I think of how he's going to be a head coach. First of all, he you only know, like three weeks on the job. It's a completely different staff. I think he was, I think, and this is my opinion. I think he was testing.
2: I've some been of told that
1: as well. I've been told, you know, that. and I'm not going right. to get into specifics, but I think there was some, Hey, this is your call. You know what I mean? Let's see what you can do. And it was kind of an on the job training situation or an mm-hmm. interview, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that's not something that you obviously want to do, you know, during the regular season when it's your job, it's your staff, et cetera. That's not how you want to go about things. What I have done, that probably not, but that I right. wasn't the one making the calls, right? Right. So, I just I will say, look, if you think that he's going to, if if that's a question mark for you because he's never been a head coach, totally fine with that. I'm right. totally fine with. It. I'm five years older than he is, right? right. I mean, that, that so that comes into play. Sure. But I, I'm sorry, I can't use the Oklahoma State game as your reasoning. That's all I'm saying.
2: Well, and, and I guess my point is is if you're gonna use that as your reasoning, then you need to look at the whole thing, not just the second half. Right? I mean, it's Absolutely. two halves of football. Yeah. Good point. And and yeah, the, the the blown lead was problematic. I'm not I'm not I'm not someone who just is gonna dismiss that, right? Like I'm just I'm not. I think that we should and, and you're not either to a degree. It's just when that's all you're focusing on, right? Correct. That's my concern. Correct. And, and I think the Oklahoma State game did show something it showed that the program had fatal flaws Mm -hmm. that that led to it being a team that could not beat a team that was superior coached and superior in the trenches. That's what that game showed us last year. And the reality is, is, is you had a situation where you had a defensive coordinator that had, had really led that team into a lot of success. Notre Dame's defense, the second half of the year was outstanding. And, they choked the game away, but they weren't being led by the guy who had built that defense the whole year. You know, it was a different scenario, different situation. Right. And so you kind of you've got to take that into account. You you look at the offense and the fact that you had an offensive line coach that just flat out could not generate a run game against a defense with a pulse. That just was a reality last year. Well, that that has been corrected. Right, you you know you've brought in a more experienced defensive coordinator. You've brought in someone who I believe is a more talented person for that job than the person who did it in the bowl game. With no disrespect intended to Mike Elston, you know you've brought in a a a much improved offensive line coach. So that's the other thing is if you're going to say okay, the bowl game is a concern, you lost to a top five team by two in a game that wasn't necessarily as close as the two because Notre Dame did score late to make it two, but also a team that when early on your team was rolling and that's the part that I don't think people miss is because that team came out smoking. Yes, they did. And I think you, you should, I mean, that that to me is indicative of, okay, this is what this Marcus Freeman tenure is going to be about. To me, that says more about Marcus Freeman than what happened at the end, because that had a lot more to do with the preparation, the inability to kind of, you know, put that game away is, is to me indicative of, they just didn't have a staff good enough to do that. And, you know, we've heard people talk about, you know, what he should have done. Like you said, Mike Elson, that was an audition for Mike Elson as a defensive coordinator. Correct. You know? And, and so if you're, mm-hmm. if you're Marcus Green's like, well, let's see, let's see what he does. Let's see what he does. Let's see what adjustments he makes. Let's see what he can do here. Let's see what he can do there. And by the time he kind of stepped in and, and said, okay, it's time to do something different. It was too late. Right. And, and that's basically kind of the, 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 the reality of it. And, and, and again, uh, Kenny Moore just said Freeman put way too much faith in Mike else. I don't think that's it how it was. Faith. Faith. It, it wasn't so much faith. It was like, okay, you want this job. Let's right. see what you do. Show me, show it to me. Yeah. And and you needed to do that because in the lead up to the bowl game, he was being dragged in this direction that there are all these other different things as the new head football coach. And so I, I do think there's con- some concern, but at the same time, I think we're putting too much emphasis on that. Bowl right. Game. Right. The other thing that we're ignoring is, is let's not let's not act like every time Notre Dame had been in that position in the past, they got blown out. Top five team, major bowl game. When was the last time Notre Dame was competitive in that type yeah, of game Yeah, that's fair. And that's the other part of it, too. So, yeah, that was a disappointing loss. And if you just would have made that one stop at the end of the first half, you, maybe we are having a different outlook, and and it just kind of mm-hmm. goes back to like what we've talked about before, Vince. No matter how good your season is, if you end on a loss, you're going to have a lot less momentum Absolutely. emotionally than if you end on a win. Oh, no question. And that's that's something that went <laughs> and into there's, it, But there's not many there's not many sports out there where you can end your
1: season with a win and not win a national championship. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Most most of the time, right. you're losing, and that's your last game of the season. Right. You know, and almost all levels of ba- of of sport. Um, you know, unless you don't make the playoff, that kind right. of a thing. It, but the like,
2: exceptions are in yeah. st- teams that don't make the postseason, right? Or in college basketball, you make some tournament nobody cares about, exactly, right? And right. and so, so I think the 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 youth of the the coach is understandable. I think the fact that a lot of people are going to focus on a first year quarterback is another reason. And and we we'll, we won't spend a lot of time on this because what we're, we're going to talk about the quarterback aspect later, uh, but. There's an ex. There, there's the 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 quarterback discussion is interesting, Vince, because with a lot of people, it's not like, well, I you know, first year quarterback, I want to see how he does. It's with a lot of people, there's an expectation that he's not gonna play well, right? That's a little bit puzzling to me, and that's you know, that's where I think a lot of the negative negativity comes from. It's it's okay to question. How's Tyler Buckner going to do? Because if you're not doing that yes. in our shoes, we're not. that would make us not objective. No question. Because they're no going to ask him to do things he wasn't asked to do last year. We don't know how he's going to do it. He hasn't really sure. been that guy since the 2020 season. Or excuse me, the 2019 season, correct? No, hold on a second. 21 freshman, 20. Yeah, 2019 mm-hmm. is the last time Tyler Buckner was able Carter, to be a, a full-time starting quarterback. Yep. That's all understandable. The question now is... Are you, is your expectation of him wrong as opposed to uh it's one thing to say, Hey, he's got to prove something. We should all be sure. able to say that whether Absolutely. you're pro or, 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 or not pro Tyler Buckner you say, Hey, he's got a lot to prove. The puzzling thing though, I go back to Vince is the, is the, and you'll see it in this chat. Just watch this chat. It oh, happens I've... every time Tyler Buckner's name's name come coming. It's already been talked up. about today. Uh, is, is just the expecting. He's not going to be good. And That's the that that's parts puzzling. There's the concern is understandable, but the the thought that he's going to to struggle is the part that is a little bit of the head scratcher for me.
1: Well, and you look, they've got a new quarterback. They got a brand new quarterback who's never started a game in his college career. He didn't have a senior year of high school. He was asked to do a very small, you know, uh, package last year. You know, as far as being a quarterback, he wasn't asked to drop back and throw. And when he was asked to do that, it's not even something that he really practiced in practice. So you're asking him to do something that he was not prepared to do, which is not okay, in my opinion, to bang him yeah. because he wasn't good at something he didn't practice. Okay. Right. Football is a one game a week, six days of practice situation. And if you don't practice something, you're probably not going to be good at it. Now. With that said, he's brand new. We don't necessarily know, but what we here's what we do know he's a top hundred recruit. I would say, mm-hmm. depending on who you're looking at, it may be higher, but he's a top hundred recruit. He was a really good quarterback when Notre Dame brought him in. He didn't mm-hmm. have a senior year of high school, right? But I think we forget how highly ranked he was. Right. Because he was in Notre Dame's class for so long, number one, because he was one of those early, you know, uh commitment guys. Then he didn't have a senior year, so we kind of forgot about him. And then he had the limited package last year. People forget how good this kid is. That, that's right. what I will say. And are we projecting that he's going to be really good? Yeah, we're projecting. Sure. Because that's what we do. We're Just projecting. like we did
2: last year with <clears throat>
1: Bryce Young and Absolutely. DJ Stroud. And- Absolutely. And the difference between him and some of these other guys is he did have some quality experience last year, which those guys didn't have. And so, yes, we are projecting that he is going to be something. I just what what boggles my mind is just the severe negativity surrounding him sure. based on a, a microcosm
2: of things that happened last year that's it's, my issue. it's you know what it is is Vince it's it's kind of like the bowl game it, we can have an honest conversation about the things we like from the bowl game and things we didn't like from the bowl game the problem is is that there's some people that only want to focus on the good things we saw in the bowl game and there's even more people that only want to focus on the negative things from the bowl game. And that's the thing with Tyler Buckner. There are some people who literally will not, uh, will, will only address what Tyler Buckner did in the last quarter and a half against Virginia tech. And then ignore yes. everything, everything else. He did else. the entire season. Yes, absolutely. And it's like, that's where I'm kind of like, you know, you're, you're being a little bit purposely negative here when I don't quite understand why. Cause the thing, the problem is we can't have an honest conversation if that's all you're going to do. Like where, where's the comment up here? Like this is from, from Jules. Do you think we have more talent that can make up for TB mistakes? Like, there's just assumption he's going to go out there and make yeah. all these mistakes. That and he's going to be, up for. he's going to be the anchor that holds back the right. offense. And he's got to have people enough talent to overcome to, yeah. how bad he's going to play yeah. this year, right? Like, that's the premise of the question, and I don't <clears> understand that. I really don't understand that. But I do think, however, that people who say I can't jump on board with Notre Dame being a playoff team until I see what Tyler Buckner can do. Totally fair. Okay. Totally okay. Fair. I am fine. I don't that. think like <laughs> I can't predict Notre I'm saying this for people. I can't predict Notre Dame to beat Ohio state. Cause you're telling me that Tyler Buckner who's never started a game is going to go on the road in, in Columbus and beat CJ Stroud on the road. I can't go there. Okay, cool. I, very fair. Yeah. Very fair. Absolutely. If you're if you were gonna tell me he's gonna walk in there and outplay C.J. Stroud, and they're gonna beat. I'm like, okay, Homer boy, take a chill pill. Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit, right? Right. right. Uh, you know. So there's two <laughs> mistakes we can make. I think that that we can have a conversation about Tyler Buckner, and I think the other thing too is, I think another mistake people have is Vince. You brought this up during the during the the pre-talk was when we were talking off the air was there's a lot of people concerned about the Ohio State game. I think that leads to a bigger. Concern that people have, which is there's a lot of people that still believe, despite all the evidence to the contrary, that Notre Dame cannot make the playoff unless they go undefeated. There are people who think that, like well, they can't. So if they go on the road in the opener against Ohio State and lose, season's over. Well, that's that's there's the Zero evidence in a conference, of that, too. Right?
1: That that you know what I mean? That's like, well, they yeah. got to go undefeated, right, in
2: order to make the playoff. If there's they're not in zero the evidence of that, yeah, zero exactly. evidence of that.
1: Well, they, they'll, they, here's what they'll say. Well, they went 11-1 and last year. They didn't make it in.
2: Right, because they didn't beat any ranked teams. And they'll ignore that they went 10-1 and the year before, got their brains beat in by Clemson in the ACC title game and still made it. And the fact that they climbed all the way up number three in 2017 with a loss to Georgia at home in the second game of the year and still climbed all the way up to number three before losing again. Uh, They climbed up to number four before playing like garbage and then losing again late in the year in 2015. So... The reality is, is that there there isn't an there isn't um, this this they have to go undefeated standpoint. I think the only concern I have about the Ohio State game that is valid is not so much winning or losing. Is what does it do to this team's psyche if they go and get blown out? And the fact that we would even bring up that conversation is is not. I don't view that as BKPTSD. I view that as a legitimate question about Marcus Freeman. Is your goal is to turn the corner as a program? that's the biggest corner that, you know, that you have to turn essentially, or the biggest obstacle you have to overcome is can you get this team ready in the biggest moments to come out and play and go toe to toe with the best teams in the country? That to me, Vince is going to be the biggest question mark that I have uh, about this team is can he overcome that all the culture change we've talked about. Sure. Can he get his team emotionally and fundamentally and technically ready to play in this game?
1: Yes, absolutely, and that's going to be the biggest thing because that's what they've been missing in the past. Right. Is, is being it, this is college football. There is emotion involved. This is not the NFL. It will never be the well. I shouldn't say it will never be the NFL. Uh, but you're 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 dealing with kids. Frankly, okay, emotion is part of the game. Mm-hmm. You can approach it businesslike, but there is emotion. You can't just dismiss the emotion, okay? And that's been the problem with a lot of. The Brian Kelly misses, in my opinion, is the lack of emotion. He Mm looks, it's a business trip. It's, you know, we're just going to do this. It doesn't matter who we're playing against. No, it's
2: not a business trip. It It does matter who you're playing. Yeah. It it matters who you're playing. It matters,
1: you know, you have to be ready for bigger games. Playing against USC in the horseshoe is a heck of a lot different than playing, you know, Ball State at home. It's different. And you need to prepare differently for that. You can't prepare the same for both. You can't. And right. That I think was one of his biggest downfalls.
2: Right. I think when I when I look at some of the other concerns, Vince, it it is there's a there there are a lot of unknowns. When you overhaul your coaching staff with seven people, there are a lot of unknowns. Sure. So is Harry Heastine going to be able to get this line back to the way he was before he left? You know, is Tommy Reese going to be able to take a a step forward as a coordinator? Big question to be seen. Uh, you know, what kind of impact is Chancey Stucky going to have as as your uh, as your receivers coach, when you look at Dillon McCullough, Lance Taylor did a really nice job at Notre Dame. Absolutely. Dylan McCullough overcome that. Al Golden has a call to defense since 2005, Charlie Weiss's first year at Notre Dame. You know, what's he going to be able to do calling a defense? There's a, you know, Mike Elson had done a really solid job at Notre Dame for years. How, is Al Washington going to be able to uh, to to live up to that? Same? I think those are all very fair questions. Those and if, valid we're, and questions. if we're If we're talking about those things and I'm saying, okay, yeah, that's, that's, that's valid. I think those are things that you look at is, and then bigger picture with all that is how quickly can this staff come together? Yeah. And I think that's going to be a big yeah, part of this huge. for me. Is That's huge. Right. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and why, why does that matter Vince? It matters because as you, as you look at the communication, as you look at, you know, does, does Tommy Reese trust in the opener against Ohio state? Does he trust, uh, you know, Chancey Stuckey's advice? Does he stop? Does he trust uh, Dylan McCullough's advice? Is he going to trust Jared Parker's advice uh, you know, when they're having conversations about, Hey, look, this is what I'm seeing, This is what you need to call. Or is he going to try to do it all on himself? Is Al Golden going to have that confidence and trust with Al Washington or Mike Mickens and Chris O'Leary and all those other different people. I mean, that's all, that's the biggest part of this whole thing, Vince is, 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 um, uh, is, is being able to look and say, Hey, is this something that, that, that we can overcome as a staff? I think right. that to right. me is arguably the biggest question mark because that is an even bigger question mark to me than Marcus Freeman's inexperience. Okay. The reason I say that is, is because if the coaching staff can really be cohesive, there's a lot of proven talent in that coaching staff. Yes, If they can come together as one unit and answer those questions, then Marcus Freeman doesn't have to be this guy that goes out every day and makes all these brilliant calls to manipulate Notre Dame to victory in games where they're going to be the more talented team on the field 10 out of 12 times this year sure right and so in order to think Notre Dame is going to be worse than 10 and 2 you have to think that Notre Dame is going to lose at least two games to teams with equal or inferior competition yes that's what you think he's going to be such a drop-off from Brian Kelly that they're going to go out this year and just start losing to teams that have inferior that talent. they
1: should beat that they should be right you know right yes, they should be favored to win right. right I mean that's right and I I, I think that You know, the staff questions, I think those are legit questions as far as coming together. And I think in the past we've seen, you know, at least on the offensive side of the ball, young guys not necessarily getting a shot, you know, no matter what. I guess I'm speaking more towards the wide receivers, you know, things of that nature. You know, how uh, how is the staff going to deal Mm -hmm. with young guys? Are they going to be able to develop these guys? Are they going to be able to take some of these veterans that have been in a different system for so long and coach them up in one offseason and get them ready Mm -hmm. to play at a high level? Those are all legitimate questions. I have no problem with those legitimate questions. The difference is, for me, is I have seen with my own eyes the coaching that is taking place. Right. Right, And I think that 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 speaks to me. And so that allows me to project in a positive manner some of those questions and dismiss some of those questions. And I will also say, the manner in which that Marcus Freeman put his staff together... I was a real big fan of. It was clear to me, and because he was very methodic on some of these coaching hires, right? I don't think he went and found a bunch of yes men. You know, Al Golden, for example, being the prime example. He's a former head coach. He was in the NFL. I mean, he could stay in the NFL if he wanted to and make a fine living without recruiting and all of those different things. But he brought him in to not only run the defense and not run Marcus Freeman's defense, run Al Golden's defense, right? With some similarities and things like that, but to run his defense and also be a sounding board as a former head coach. Not a lot of guys have the, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but a lot of head coaches don't have that. They're not going to bring in a guy Mm -hmm. who might question some of their moves or, you know, things like that. They're not going to do that. They don't want that. They don't want anybody to question their power. Right, Marcus Freeman didn't bring in yes men, right? Right. Tommy Reese isn't a yes man to to Marcus Freeman. There's no reason for him to be, right? I don't think these coaches that he brought in are there just do Marcus Freeman's bidding. That that's not why he brought these guys in. So I'm really excited about what the staff is. You make a very valid point that individually, I think they have a really good staff. Like if you just Mm -hmm. go from position group to position group to position group, I think it's a really good staff. How are they going to work together as a group? I, I think that's a legit concern, or I shouldn't even say that we use the word concern. It's a legit question mark. Mm-hmm. And while I can project and think that they will, because I think they're really good coaches, we don't know the answer to that. <clears throat> right. We don't. And and I think that's a question.
2: The unknowns are the biggest thing that, that, that I look at and say, well, I just don't know how good this team is going to be. I think the debate that I would have is I think the floor that some people are setting is way too low. Uh, that's where we can because because to me it's like those the 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 concerns are why ten and two is the floor. Like if those concerns get answered positively, they're not going ten and two. They're going to be at worse eleven and one. Right. 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 And and that to me is is kind of where I come from. And like like the uh, here's another unknown skill players on offense. Who are the playmakers going to be? Sure. Now you and I could sit here and do this long show. And hey, guess what? We did. Last week, yes, we did. about how Chris Tyree and L- Logan, like not Logan, Niggs, uh, Lorenzo Styles and Braden Lindsay and all these guys and Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather and all these different guys have the talent to become impact players. How sure. Tyler Buckner has a chance to be this and that, and that all is true. They all right. have that ability, but that's a lot of what ifs that have yet to be proven. No doubt. And I think those are now, again, I, I don't think those are net for me aren't really concerns because right. I've always said I, I trust the talent if the coaching is correct. So it all boils sure. down to the coaching question. I think if you look around the country in recent well, really last seven, eight years, especially, you've seen a lot of teams with a lot of youth on offense be really good. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of it is you're relying on your God given ability, but is it being harnessed? And I think right. that's been the issue for in the past. So it all boils down to. What I think at the end of the day, the concerns and the reason why some people may be concerned and some people are are more positive is it all boils down to what was your opinion of Brian Kelly and his coaching staff? Absolutely. And if you're someone who felt that Brian Kelly and his coaching staff were were a group that were getting the most out of this team for the most part, then you're going to be understandably concerned about this season. If you're someone like me and Vince and you believe that Brian Kelly's team's underachieved to their talent level, then you're gonna be less pessimistic about the season because you right, think right. the talent is finally gonna be unleashed. And I think that's the biggest question that we're gonna have answered one way or the other during the season. Agreed. Is that right there? Now, I'm not saying which it's gonna be. I'm just saying whatever side of that debate you're on, we're gonna have an answer by the end of the season, in in my opinion. And and so that'll kind of be that'll kind of be really what this boils down to. So, Vince, let's discuss some of the reasons to be optimistic. Okay. And I think this is the one that a lot of people simply just whiff on. And I don't know if it's because they're obsessed with recruiting rankings. I don't know what it is. But Notre Dame's talent level is, in my opinion, they have one of the five best rosters in college football. Just looking at just God-given physical ability. Right. Take experience and all that. I'm just pure talent to me. This is one of the five best football teams in the country. And no matter what metric you use, it can be backed up on that. Do they have high level talent? Well, I just put out the other day that when you look at the Walter Camp All-American Award, they tied BAM, Ohio State, Georgia and Clemson for the most All-Americans on the first or second teams. So high level talent check. Right. And you look at I've seen four different Notre Dame players get 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 predicted to be first round draft picks in next year's NFL draft. Check. Right. You've got preseason rankings talking about arguably Notre Dame's worst unit last year was the offensive line. And I there's one preseason magazine that thinks they're going to be the best offensive line in the country. <laughs> another has them like. Fifth. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, you, you look defensively. Everybody's concerned about a lot of Notre Dame fans are concerned about the secondary. Why? Because they watched the bowl game. <laughs> Understandable. Concern. Sure. I get that. And yet another magazine has the secondary ranked as the fourth best unit in the country coming back next year. Right. And so it it's interesting when you look at a lot of teams. I've I've had, you know, Michigan fans come at me. And if you ask Ohio and this is not a disrespect to Archer because I've found him to be a very fair person, but if you look at the responses that we get on our on our YouTube page from Ohio State fans that just come on, they either have the best roster in the history of college football, uh the last three years, but their coaching must suck because they have better players than everyone at every position around the country, but yet they don't win titles because apparently Ryan Day's an idiot, I guess I don't know. it's but like you look at Michigan fans and and all these different like they all think their team is underrated and is going to be this and yet then there's Notre Dame fans who have to be convinced that their team is actually good. <laughs> you know what i mean it's we've the been browbeaten up you just believe it. it's it, the we, weirdest thing and dude, that's we, the we've been,
1: PTSD. we've been yes we've this been gaslighted really by brian kelly roster. we've yes. been gaslighted by brian kelly for so many years that we don't know what it's like okay yes. he he tells us he would get up at a microphone and tell us i right. you know i what we, we're gonna do the best we can with what we got you know uh it's it you know the offensive lines not very, you know or, or whatever the excuses were abundant and we're just like oh okay yeah you're right and uh if it turns out to not be that way then clearly you're the head, you're the you're the coach of the year so right. that that's that's what it was and we've heard it for so we've heard it for over a right. decade we've been gaslighted to believe that Notre Dame can't be good
2: that, right. that's what it is right right well and if you look at like I was looking at a thing earlier today Notre Dame tied for seventh in the country and if you look in the last 5 years they tied for seventh in the country mm-hmm. uh with Clemson by the way for most NFL players drafted in the last five years no talent though no talent none. none you know and and so you look at the teams ahead of them right Alabama number one okay you have Ohio State number two no surprises there you have LSU number three and like let me see one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen of them came after their title team
1: I was gonna say after the nineteen season <laughs> they had a lot of talent on that right. team yeah
2: Right. Four is Michigan, which I actually did find surprising. Talk about wasting talent. Five is Florida. Six is Georgia. And then Notre Dame is right behind Georgia. One fewer player than Georgia. In the last five years, Notre Dame has had one fewer player than Georgia drafted in the last five. This is coming. This is coming into this is going into um, last season. Right now, Georgia has gone up because they had like 15 dudes drafted. Right. Right. So this was going into last year is the is the earliest like the latest I could find and I and I think that it kind of goes to my point of there's this constant underrating of what Notre Dame's talent level is yes and and you know maybe it's recruiting rankings I'm not quite sure what what that reason is but I think it's very true this year I think people I think a lot of people underestimate like they'll talk about receiver you, there's some people you cannot get some people to talk about anything positive about the receiving core no because there's there's nobody there it's all walking right Ryan. Yeah. It's all yeah, right yeah no that's what you think you know, I know. Like they're, man i hope really chris fink this is the year he becomes the go-to guy you know what i mean like that that's not the case and it's just it's kind of it's kind of interesting but i think this team has a really really talented roster and the important thing is they have talent at some very important positions. Now, sure. some in some instances, guys got to step up, right? Absolutely. They've, they've got a, We're oh, hoping that a top knowledge. 100 recruit, a quarterback can step up and be a really good player. We're hoping that a borderline five star running back can step in and finally fill the void. We're hoping that a top two, a pair of top three, top 100 receivers can emerge this year and be good players. And, you know, and, and if, if you're a recruiting rankings person, then you probably should be excited about this team because a yeah. lot of the guys stepping into the role are, are guys that were <laughs> highly ranked players. And so, you know, I, I think the, I think that's my biggest thing, Vince, is there's there's a lot of talent to me coming back yeah. on this football team. And, and and that's my biggest reason for optimism.
1: And it's and and I will I will take it another step further. There's a ton of talent on this team. You've outlined it beautifully, but they're being coached by really good coaches. Okay? It's funny. That's
2: my next point. OK, well, no, no, no. <laughs> great, great segue. You're. Um, I have O-line receiver coaching. As yeah. my next one. So, yes. I, you ahead. know, it's
1: it's funny. I, I was I was uh, driving into one of the football camps, into the stadium, right down the tunnel. And uh, Coach Stuckey was walking out with his wife. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, Coach, great job with the receivers. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was crazy. Because you
2: it, were. You were like, you don't understand what I've had to deal with the last <laughs> time. <here."
1: laughs> it's like, yeah, I know you don't know who I am, but I don't care. Uh, but, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you look at mm-hmm. – okay, Coach Stuckey is – a projection because he's got one year of of coaching experience at the D one level at Baylor last year. And, And we all have expressed our not concern, but you know, it's a question, et cetera. But again, I've seen it with my own eyes. I feel very comfortable with what he's doing with the wide receiver. I feel very good about it, especially in comparison to what was there before. And then you go to the O line. You're talking about a guy who has a track record. He has a clear track record of success, putting guys in the NFL, recruiting guys, you know, the, the play on the field speaks for itself. They were literally the number one offensive line. His last was his last year. Yeah. As his last year, as the offensive line coach, they were literally the best offensive line in the country. They had two of the best
2: offensive lines in three of in in his last three years twice. They had, in my opinion, mm -hmm. the best offensive line in the country in his last three years.
1: Right. So he has a clear proven track record. So he's taking guys that were really good on the recruiting trail I mean, I believe Jarrett Patterson was ranked as the number one returning center, even though he's probably not going to play center. Mm-hmm. All-American type player. You got two really good you know, sophomore tackles with
2: experience,
1: et cetera. Who played
2: well last year in yes. spite of bad coaching. It,
1: it, exactly. So not only do you have high-level players, but you've got high-level coaching on top of it. And that is what gives me right. the excitement about this offense and thinking that this offense is going to take another step because they're going to be more right. balanced and they're going to be more dynamic in what they're doing.
2: I think this, I think this part of the conversation uh, needs us to pull up a, a, a question that was asked earlier by okay. 99 problems of the BK81. Um, oh, he says, Brian, he, yeah, go ahead, Vince. I, yeah. I was just pausing to kind of, yeah, go ahead and read it. <laughs> okay, ahead, I'm read sorry. It. And Here i bring we go. Up part two. So
1: yeah, there's two parts to this. Brian, here's my concern. Call it BK, BK PTSD, but it I would is. love you to prove me wrong, please. If L-Y's team, last year's team, thank you. If last year's team plus the staff played this year's schedule, I think we're coming off of an eight and four or nine and three record. So if you adjust for that, and that's the new baseline, nine and three would comp last year's record. And with a new staff and first time head coach, who I think we're all very high on, but all first year head coaches learn in year one. You're gonna have to explain this to me because no, I, I so basically what he's
2: saying is is if 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 this year's team or if okay. last year's team played this year's schedule, meaning if okay. the twelve teams they play this year they I played got last year, okay, they'd be nine and three, eight and four. And, and again, I just say I based on what, right? I mean, here here's my thing. So like you look at you look at USC sucked last year. They did play last year's USC team, and they 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 beat them convincingly, even though they didn't play well. They played they played North Carolina last year. Beautiful. And they beat them convincingly and didn't play well. Right. You know, you Marshall. They'd have beat Marshall. They'd have beat Cal. They did beat North Carolina. They killed Stanford. They would have beat UNOV. They would have beat Syracuse. They did beat Navy. And they would have beat Boston College. And they did beat USC. So that's nine and three. That's so what nine. you're telling me is that that in your opinion, last year's team would have lost to not only Ohio State and Clemson but also BYU and somebody else. So if it so the only options are BC, right, Syracuse, UNLV, Cal or Marshall. Which one of those five would Notre Dame have lost to last year to go 8 and 4? Sorry. And why are we assuming that they would that they would have lost to BYU? I mean, they had one common opponent. BYU beat Virginia pretty convincingly, 66 to 49. That's 17 points. Notre beat them by 25. Well, they didn't have the quarterback. Okay. they gave BYU gave up 49 freaking points to Virginia. Right, right. You know, BYU lost a UAB in a bowl game. They beat USC at USC by four. BYU did last year. Uh, they lost to Baylor by 14. They lost at home to Boise State. How were they any better than Wisconsin? Right. Or <laughs> Purdue last year. So again, I think this is the premise of well, look, last year's team wasn't good. We have said that for a long time. We said that when we were talking about how they might get in the playoff last year, because if if Georgia beats Alabama, Notre Dame's in the playoffs. They're in. They're in. And they didn't play well all year. If Alabama coached well, if all Alabama year.
1: had lost to right. Auburn in that ridiculous overtime, oh, it was not yeah, Auburn. That's like, true. They should have lost that game. If they lose that play. game, Notre Dame's in the play. So
2: the premise is, well, this year's schedule's tougher. Based on what? The two right? high-level. Like, the, the, the cool. high I'm, I'm, I'm digging that. But there's yeah. a difference between, well, this team would be 10-2 and two compared to 12-1. So like Ohio State and Cincinnati wash each other out, right? They lost to Cincinnati. They lose to Ohio State. Last year's team would have got killed by Ohio State. Agreed. Yeah. I, just, they would have. Yeah. 17-20 um, points is probably what would have happened, right? Because – Especially if they played early in the year, like when they did play Cincinnati, and we're
1: because talking about
2: with with the BK staff or with with the with, the with last year's team. So Brian Kelly, with okay, last okay. year's yes, team. then I agree right. with you one hundred percent. So 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 my point my point is this though to to your question is. Why are you assuming they'd be a nine and three, eight and four team? Who would they have lost to that they didn't play last year? That's the thing is there's actually a lot of turnover on there's a lot of carryover in this year's schedule. Yeah. Notre Dame last team. year against teams on this year's schedule went, let's see, one, two, three, four, no oh, against the teams on last year's schedule. Marshall and Cal, Stan, you know, UNLV, Syracuse, Boston College. You know, I, I just don't see a loss in it. So so you'd have to and and it, why are we assuming that Notre Dame would have lost to Clemson last year? Did you watch Clemson? They were terrible. I mean they weren't good last they, year. They were terrible for Clemson's. They would not know. have scored on Notre Dame last year. I agree. Now, their offense. I think the game yeah. would have looked a lot like the Georgia Clemson game because I don't think Notre Dame's off Notre Dame's offensive line would have got chewed up by Clemson last year. But yeah. you know what else? Clemson's offensive line would have got chewed up by Notre Dame. Yeah. And then it comes down to quarterback. With all due respect, I'm taking Jack Cohn over DJ any day of the week based on how those teams played last year. So, again, I just don't, I don't understand why there's the assumption that they would have lost these games. Because, again, they had a horrible low-line coach. Their receivers had no clue how to get off the press. And yet this team still went out and went 11-1. and won. Like That goes back to what the original premise is. This is a really talented football team. Right. They were to out, they were able to out talent their way into an 11-1 record. Yes, last year.
1: and that's exactly what they did. I agree right. with you one hundred
2: percent. And so you know, and we've seen it in the past too, right? We've seen them. You know, like to me when I watched the Georgia game in two thousand nineteen, go back and watch that game. Notre Dame didn't have a great game plan that game. They just out. They just they just had to me. They were equally like a very equal rosters in a lot of ways. There's one difference. Jake Fromm made big plays at the end of the game, and Ian Book did not. That was the difference between Notre Dame and Georgia in 2019. Yeah. You know, and and, and so, again, another game where Notre Dame was able to just That was the one at people. Georgia? That was, that one was one at Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Notre Dame has just been out outtowning people the last three years. So this goes back to what you were talking about, Vince, which is if you believe that this is a much better coaching staff, mm-hmm. then you should be pretty fired up about this football team. Absolutely. Because, to me, that's the biggest difference is this is a team – that, that, in my opinion, has across the board a very talented roster. They're not where Ohio State is at the top-level p- positions at on the team, so quarterback, yeah. receiver. But I'll match Notre Dame up against them anywhere else if give them advantage or they're right there on it, right? I'm sorry, USC does not have a better roster than Notre Dame. It, there's what it what we're seeing is an obsession at quarterback. Well, Tyler Buckner versus Caleb Williams. Well, it, they don't play each other. Ty, Caleb Williams has to play the Notre Dame defense with the starting offensive exactly. line that he's gonna have at USC yeah, this year. Right, exactly. Right. And so Notre Dame's pounded life. USC several times in the last five years. And guess what? USC and it had in high the level quarter. Well, they had high level quarterbacks and really talented receivers on those teams, too. Right,
1: right. But I'm saying the you domination know? starts right. in the trenches, and right. Notre Dame has had an advantage there on both sides of the right. ball. And and so
2: that's my thing is you have to convince me that Notre Dame's coaching staff is going to be as bad as it was last year or inferior to tell me this is eight and four, nine and three team. Now, 10 and two is a different deal because what's changed about this year's schedule is it's more top heavy than last year's. Agreed. Absolutely. And that was part of the the argument we had last year was this team does not play the schedule that you all think that they play. Mm -hmm. When we saw North Carolina in the top 10, we laughed. Yes. We laughed. Because you're telling me they're going to lose 2,000-yard rec- running backs and a 1,000-yard receiver with Jay Bateman, a defensive coordinator, and they're going to be a top-10 football team? Better than they were. Yeah. Hard pass. Right. Hard pass. And they weren't. They were worse than they were the year before. When we looked at the schedule and saw USC in the top 15, we're like <laughs> – That was our reaction. When I saw Wisconsin there, I was like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Wisconsin sucked last year. You're telling me that all of a sudden they're just going to be better. Why? Because – They tried
1: real hard to keep Wisconsin in the rankings for a long time. They They tried real hard. And then when Notre Dame needed them to do something, they didn't, which was – They went lost to Minnesota. Yeah, appreciate that, by the way. Yeah, thanks for that, fellas. Uh, You know, (laughs) (laughs) thanks.
2: Uh, You know, but it's kind of like – it's the same thing this year is the, the focus is on the top two teams, yeah. right? It's on, Ohio which I get state and, and I, I get sure, it. Those, those are, really ma-
1: those are massive games for Notre Dame, but massive. to me,
2: to me, you know, the Ohio state and Washington thing to me, cancels each other out or excuse me, Ohio state, Cincinnati cancels each other out because right? you did right, lose you, to the best team on your schedule. Last sure. Year. Sure. So then it's, well, what about after that? And to me, I think that's where it kind of comes down to, you know, Clemson and BYU are both really good teams, but, but look, we, and we've argued this. It's It's kind of funny. Like, I've argued at the very beginning of the offseason, you know, North Carolina could be a trap game. I'm someone who's advocating that I actually think North Carolina is going to be better than they were last year. Sure. But that's a long way away from saying Notre Dame is going to, going lose, to lose that game.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean,
2: they haven't played a game that was in single digits against North Carolina the last couple of years. And, and they played a pretty good North Carolina team two years ago. With all due respect, this football team has way more talent than that football team did two years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 20, the 2020 team. And so, and yet they went on the road against a North Carolina team with two thousand yard running backs, a thousand yard receiver, also had Josh Downs on that team, and Sam and Sam, um, I can't believe it, Sam Howell, and Notre Dame beat them convincingly. You know what I mean? And and this year's team is gonna, you know, to me, is gonna be now. Can they just show up and roll the ball out and beat North Carolina? No, and we're not saying but there shouldn't be an expectation that they're going to lose that game. That's right. my problem. Right. And so, and then I look at, I look at BYU. BYU is a good football team. That is going to be a battle. And, and, and this isn't meant to be disrespectful, BYU, but why are we, why are we thinking they're going to lose to that team? Based on what? What evidence do you have about BYU right. that makes you think that all of a sudden they're going to, that going to lose that game on a neutral right. field? What evidence do you have? Their convincing loss to UAB, their nine point home loss to Boise State you know the, getting curb stomped by Baylor like what is it about they beat Virginia okay Virginia was not very good Notre Dame played like crap against Virginia yes, last they year did. And beat by 25 yes they did and yeah they didn't have their quarterback I get that and that was the scariest part of their team I get that too but, but those receivers didn't all of a sudden like right you know what I mean like exactly they, they, they didn't stop knowing how to play they couldn't get open against Notre Dame last year and they and they still couldn't block Notre Dame's front and that was going to be true no matter who played quarterback exactly that kid would have been running for his life right and so I also would say that Notre Dame would have scored a lot more on Virginia because that's what Brian Kelly did when he knew he had a team licked and he knew that they couldn't they couldn't score on him he would just kind of go into cruise control he did that his entire tenure he always did that you know and and we saw that remember the Miami game in his first year Notre Dame's up 27 to 3 at halftime they take a 30 30 to 3 actually i think they had a lead it wasn't a 30 to 3 at halftime He was at least 27 to 3 and they sure. just coasted in the second half and won 33 17 right that game should have been like 52 to 10
1: Was that the one but that was at Soldier
2: field no 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 the one okay. in the bowl game at the end of 2010 oh the Sun gotcha. gotcha gotcha yeah they were up like 30 to 3 like michael floyd had like th- harrison smith had like three interceptions in the first half michael floyd was going off yeah robert hughes was making big runs um, you know, I mean, it started right away too. Like Austin Collinsworth make miss, m- runs like the first kickoff back, like thirty some yards, and Michael Floyd goes down and kicks, a, you know, catches a touchdown pass. And I mean, they just were rolling Miami. Yeah. And then he took his foot off the gas. That the Virginia game, Notre Dame could have hung a fifty spot on Virginia last year if they wanted to, and that was one of my frustrations with Brian Kelly. It was it was like twenty one nothing at halftime, yeah. and they just kind of man, just kind of coasted. So to me, that's the other the other aspect of it that you look at this football team, Vince, is you know there's this thought of that you know this team lacks talent and all this, and, and I think that's just nonsense. So again, you're Agreed. going to convince me. Who who are they going to lose to? Right. And why should we think that a Clemson team that went ten and three last year is all of a sudden going to be better than Notre Dame? Why, why should I think that?
1: And they racked up most of those wins towards the end. I mean, they, they, they were it was a rough it first was. half of the season for Clemson. Yeah. I mean they had lost?
2: one good win last year, and that was over Wake Forest. They they dominated Wake Forest at the end. And and you know, they lost to Georgia, they lost to NC State, they lost to Pitt, they beat Syracuse by three, they beat Boston College by six, they beat Georgia Tech by six, and they beat Tech Louisville by game. six. Their blowout wins were over South Carolina, which was good, Wake Forest, South Carolina State. Wow. And they had a ten point win over Florida State, and they blew out UConn, and then they went and barely beat I, a, a pretty mediocre Iowa State team in a bowl game that didn't have Brees Hall. Right. So again, I just go back to why would you assume that Notre Dame would lose at home to Clemson last year? You know what I mean? Right. And so to me, it, it just the, the entire the entire premise of that is is just faulty. And and then the other is is like, well, if they had last year's team this year, so. Well, I'd even be more excited because give me Jack Cohn with a with a Harry He stand offensive line. Oh, you next, know what I mean? People apart, kidding me? Let's let's go. Let's go. <laughs> give me Kevin Austin with the receivers they have now Gee. and a real receivers coach. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll take that. Yeah. And so I guess that's that's kind of my. Re- I just think this is a talented team. I think that that Al Golden to me is arriving at the right time. And I talked to Coach Freeman about this when I sat down with him uh, last week, and I'm I'm going to have I'm, I'm still working on the magazine. I'm going to have a lot of that stuff in the magazine, and I'll have some of it out later as we get closer to the season. But, you know, he talked about the fact that one of the things he liked about Coach Golden in, in the interview process was, number one, he hired him mainly because he didn't want to have to make a philosophical shift. He doesn't care about the X's and O's part as much. It's like, I don't want to make a philosophical shift. Right. And Al Golden is very much in the same philosophy of Marcus Freeman on how to be good at, on defense. But he said, you're talking about a guy, and, and we were talking about some of the games from Cincinnati. He's like, you know, one week you're watching them play against the Titans, and they're in a pure 3-4 defense because Tennessee is a downhill, run the football, play action pass team. And then a couple weeks later or whatever, they're playing the Chiefs, and they're running a completely different defense, and having success against the chiefs, meaning in the NFL, you're, you're going to, you're going to, I mean, you're basically putting in a new defense every week and you're not going to do that at Notre Dame. But what his point was is he's going to understand how to and adopt a defense to just a completely different offenses. You're going to play, you know, Ohio state one week, and then, you know, their version of their, their pro style type of spread offense. Then you're going to have the air raid from Phil Longo. Then you're going to have the triple option from Navy, You're going to have all these different types of pro style with John McNulty and, and then USC's version of the air raid, but you're going to have a coach that understands how to adapt his personnel and his alignments and different things to those things. And I think that helps too. But at the end of the day, Vince, my, my biggest reasons for optimism, I I go back to it. I think this is going to be a well-coached talented football team. Agreed. And I think that's the thing that we're missing. And the, 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 the other part too is, Notre Dame returns a lot more production this year than it did the year before. Right. And and that was the thing that from the, the SP people plus realize is that. they were in the 120s last year. Right. They have far more production returning from this year to this year's defensive line than they had to last year's defensive line. And and so in last year's defensive line was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And this year's defensive line returns a lot more. You know, their secondary right now projects to be a lot better than it was last year, even you get with a, Kyle Hamilton. You're, get, you're getting a lot of returning tackles from the linebackers. Right. So. And you're getting Maris Leuphal back, which right. is a huge infusion. So I just look at it and I say, I don't, I don't understand why, like to me, 10 and 10 and two. That's why I say 10 and two should be the floor.
1: Agreed. hundred percent. There's
2: no question. Now, can they be beyond that? And, and we start talking about championships. That's a, that's a more, that's a different question that we'll get into as we get closer to the season. You know, but but you know, I, I think that's kind of where I kind of get down to this, Vince, is this is a team that has a lot of talent that is coming off a year in which they went eleven and one and did not play well, like almost the entire year. Even some of the games they won, they played like crap. Yeah. They went on the road and played like crap against Florida State and won. You know, they played like crap at home against Toledo and won. They played like crap against North Carolina and won by double digits. They played like crap against USC and won by two touchdowns. They basically coasted against Virginia and won by 25. Yeah. You know, like why? Because they have a lot of talent. And if you believe that this team is going to be coached well, then, you know, you're you're going to be excited about it. If you right. don't think this team is going to be coached better than it was last year, then I understand your skepticism. And at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to for me. Yep
1: absolutely could not agree more and I'll, I'll tell you right now eight and a half the over under for total wins for notre dame at eight and a half that if you're not mm-hmm. if you're a betting person and you don't take that then i don't know what you're waiting for to be honest right. with you that that's yes. that's nutty to me i yep. i will be placing another bet to make sure that i gain a little bit of money uh on that bet i mm-hmm. again i'll throw my 20 bucks or whatever down yep. you know but that eight and a half—that again. It's one thing to look at a team and be like, you know what, that looks like a you know a nine win team or whatever. I, I think Archer as an outsider said it looks like a nine a nine win team to him.
2: Right. Because he's like still dealing in that yeah. that what we've talked about this.
1: Absolutely. And I remember, I
2: remember like what Georgia fans were saying about Notre Dame going into the twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen seasons. Same thing. The yeah. same crap we're hearing from Ohio State fans is the same stuff we heard from Georgia sure. fans. Y'all don't have speed. You don't have playmakers. Right. That's fine. Who the heck is Chase Claypool? Oh, right. Totally you know entitled I mean? like, to
1: that right. opinion, and sure. I, I
2: have no problem with that. Sure. My pushback. they were singing a completely different tune coming out of that game, Vince. Right. My,
1: Yeah, exactly. And my
2: pushback would be:
1: show me right. where the three losses are. Who are the Who right. are the three losses that they're going to lose to? Right. Outside of of Ohio State and Clemson, I have a hard time yeah. picking out that third loss. Now, could something crazy happen? People get hurt. Sure. Of course. Absolutely. Sure. That, this is college football. This is sport. Right. That stuff happens. But I have a hard time finding a third loss there. And so, right. because of that logic. but they're going
2: to get blown out by a team that gave up forty-five points to Utah.
1: Right. In exactly. In a bowl game. But because right. of that logic, ten and two is my floor. Like that. That would right. be the absolute floor for me. Losing right. to Clemson, losing to Ohio State, ten and two. That's my floor. And yep. ten and two gets you to a, a New Year's Six bowl, and uh, and gives you another opportunity to get that monkey off your back. So 10-2 mm-hmm. is my floor, and I, I'm going to have a hard time being pushed off of that unless something crazy happens.
2: Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. But, I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at. So our, our floor is 10-2. and two. I that's think to 100%. me, I think this team goes into November with a chance at a playoff spot. That's I do what do. I think the expectation – Not and, again, when I say expectation, I don't mean big picture, what's the golden standard at Notre Dame, right? Because that's win all your games, right? I mean, that's the ultimate Absolutely. standard at Notre Dame is win all your games. I think they go into November with a a playoff opportunity, which means one loss, no more than one loss. No more. And then it all boils down to you've got two games in November to prove who you, who you are. Clemson and USC. Well, really three, because I don't think the BC game is going to be a cakewalk either.
1: Oh, I don't. I don't think it'll be a cakewalk. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think the BC game could be a
2: statement game, to be honest with you. It's if a statement different. game. It's a it's a statement game wrapped around a trap game. That's yeah. That's how I. No look doubt. At it. Yeah. Right. Because if 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 USC is good, if 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 what everybody says about USC is true, let's just work with that hypothetical for a second that USC goes to the Pac-12, and the Pac-12's not great, and and USC doesn't play a, a super brutal schedule, if we're being honest. They don't. Uh, you know, and and they go out, and, and they're able to, you know, let's say they're a one-loss team. You know, so you look at their schedule. They play at Stanford, at Oregon State, at Utah, at UCLA. Let's just say, hypothetically, at worst, USC's a one-loss team, and that, that, that means USC's going to be in the top ten at that point in time.
1: Because they're already in, going
2: to be overrated
1: to begin with. And correct. So that if they keep winning, then that will only, you know. Correct. Yeah. So absolutely. let's just
2: say hypothetically they used to Utah, lose to Utah on October fifteenth. That's one, two, three, four, five weeks and four games for them to climb back up to gain whatever ground they've lost, which they would have gained with their start of the season where they're going to go five and zero. They're going to start in the top twenty five if they, they would go five and zero under this theory of losing to Utah. And, and, you know, that's going to jump them near the top 10, if not in the top 10, right? So Utah drops them down to 20-ish, sure. you know, 18 to 20-ish. I was looking at right. USC's uh, over-under, by the way, for What is reasons. it? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. A team that went four and eight last year. Correct. Right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I was uh, yeah.
1: doing. I want to make sure you yeah. knew where I was getting. Nine and a half. So, so, uh, yeah, okay.
2: You know, so, so I think <clears throat> if USC is that good, then I can see Notre Dame looking past BC a little bit thinking of you of, of usc fair enough and that's another reason i say that that in there's going to be some emotion there you know got a former coach coming back a couple former teammates coming back uh one of which we think is a pretty talented guy that is is going to have um sure a lot to play for <laughs> yeah. and phil Dracovic. no doubt so i i could see that but again november is where this team is going to is going to prove its worth if they have that's more true. than one loss going into the to the november then 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 we will admit we will have miscalculated this football team, barring something dramatic. Like they had right. nine guys injured for the BYU right. game and they and, lost and by a field goal. And it has
1: to like be that. like, right. you know,
2: Tyler really Buckner, impacted, Isaiah Fosky, Michael yeah. Mayer. Like all these guys are down and they're, you know, yeah, absolutely. Right. Right, and, and that's kind of where you are. Mm-hmm. So you know, you look at that, say November's where this team is going to have their chance to prove themselves because yeah. in November they play Clemson, BC, and USC.
1: But isn't that as a college football fan, isn't that what you want? Yeah, like that, 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 yep. that's what I want. I, I, want November, which is the last month of the season. I want my team to be in contention for the big, right. pick, you know, for the big uh, game. That's right. right. That's you can't ask for anything more. If my, if my team can be in contention in November every single year. Then I'm I'm happy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I will also say, at at some point you have to win those games and you have to win it all. Okay. For me to continue to be happy, sure. I don't want to just be in contention in November and always be disappointed in January. Yeah. Okay. Because that's been kind of the mo for the pets since I was eight. Right. Right. So that that's not what I want. I want, but I but at the very basement, at the very you know floor. I want I want my team to be in contention in November, and I think Notre Dame has that opportunity year in and year out. It's what they do with that opportunity that's going to make or break Marcus Freeman as a head coach. Right.
2: I think what this boils down to, Vince, it's it's actually kind of funny. I think outsiders have a more realistic ver- vision of Notre Dame than insiders do. People like fans. <laughs> I fair. really think that's true uh, because if you if you read the chat, okay. there's a lot of I'm Notre not. Dame fans that don't think Notre Dame's going to be a top. 10 I'm not. Football I'm not reading here. the chat. I know I had to, I had to put Vince on the chat timeout, um, but uh, uh, but that, I mean, that's where I think, I think where I disagree with a lot of those prognosticators is I think they have Notre Dame kind of accurate, kind of right. I think they overrate some of Notre Dame's opponents. Fair like, enough. Okay, I, I can buy why you have Notre Dame six <clears> to eight based on what Notre Dame the questions Notre Dame has to answer. What I don't understand is why you're assuming that Clemson is going to answer their questions. Why right. you're assuming that USC is going to answer their questions? And well, those are the things I would say. Clemson has be. the track record
1: of I, like I would give sure. them. The, I would but give most Clemson of the benefit of the doubt. Sure, I'm not sure. giving USC the benefit right. of the doubt. I'm not ready to do that yet. So right. that I would agree with. So I guess the way I look at it. Going into the season, right? I, I think Notre Dame has an opportunity, like we just said, in November to be playing for a playoff spot, right? Mm-hmm. So six to eight, like I look at this Notre Dame team in the preseason, I'm like, okay, you know what? This this feels like a six to eight ranked team. Like that's what it right. feels like, right? And you, you, you told me this is kind of how you talk about recruiting, right? Well, this feels like a top 50 recruit. This feels like a top 100 recruit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give you 99 other players that I think are ahead. So this feels like a six to eight team, But then when you show me the teams that are above them, it's like, yeah, yeah." you know what I mean? Like I that then that moves Notre Dame up and that almost feels like a bit of an artificial ranking for Notre Dame. But I don't know that there's five to seven teams that are better. Than Notre Dame that's yeah. the difference I mean, does that make sense I, I feel like I'm yeah. not making any sense no no that, I get it I, yeah. I
2: think especially when you look at Notre Dame having to play Clemson and Ohio State it's sure. hard for me to put sure. Notre Dame in the top five if you also think Clemson and Ohio State are top five teams right and you think they're going to lose those two teams. right right totally fair yeah. or of Ohio State Clemson and USC mm-hmm. you assume their name is going to lose two of those 10 and 2 has Notre Dame ranked at the end of the year six to 10 yeah most likely as long as they're not blowouts because right. they'll have, you know, win over BYU. They'll be, they'll have beaten one of those three teams mm-hmm. and they'll have beaten some other teams. Like, I think BC's are going to be better. I think North Carolina is going to be better than a lot of people are projecting. You know, a lot of people have them outside the top 25. I think they're going to end up by the end of the year being a top 25 team. I think they're going to be they're. better than they were last year. So not anywhere close to where Notre Dame is at this point in time. Uh, you know, so I, I think, I, you know, I think Syracuse is a team I think it's going to be better than they were last year. I don't know how much better, you know, so, but, but at the end of the day, Keep in mind, for all the focus on Ohio State and you in Clemson, Notre Dame has three teams on their schedule that won at least ten games of the last year. Do you know that, Vince?
1: I did not. Do you know
2: that also their schedule? If you add all twelve opponents together, they have a losing record last year. I believe Despite that. Three teams with ten plus wins on their on the schedule from la- So you're talking about last year's team. You look at last year's, year's okay. this year's schedule and what their record was last. Oh, year. Oh, gotcha. Okay. There's three teams on the schedule this year that won at least 10 games last year Ohio BYU, State, Clemson, and BYU, Clemson, and, B, and Ohio State. Ohio, Ohio State sorry, was 11 Ohio, and I two. I think I said BYU twice, yeah. but yes. Yep. Uh, no. Ohio State was 11 and two. And then BYU and Clemson were both 10 and three. Despite right. that success, their overall record, their opponents combined for a losing record last year. So even if you flip USC and have them go eight and four last year instead of four and eight, that's still a team that's barely over 500. Yeah, our, our schedule is very schedule barely is over 500. Yeah. Correct. Right. So to me, that's kind of where I'm at, Vince. I just don't think the schedule is as hard as people make it out to be after the first couple teams. And now sure. are there good teams in the schedule? Yes. But again, we're talking about why should we assume Notre Dame going to lose to those teams? Right. Right. Like Notre Dame played like crap against teams last year and still won. Like there's people, oh, Toledo and Virginia, but they won those games. That's the whole point. Right. They won those games, and the teams that I'm looking at this year aren't better than those teams that they barely beat last year. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so the, I guess the that's going I come down on I guess
1: the difference is Notre Dame's going to need some of these teams this year to be ranked <laughs> to help them out. I think for me, if Notre,
2: if Notre Dame's 11-1 and one at the end of the year and Clemson, USC, and, and Ohio State are anywhere close to what people think they are, they're a playoff team. As long though, as, if they're eleven
1: and one, they've beaten two of them. So yeah, I exactly. Mean, I, I, as yeah.
2: long as the here's here's the caveat for me: you can't get blown out. I have a hard time, like to me, if I'm taking two teams with equal resumes and mm-hmm. one team lost to a good team by ten and the other team lost to a good team by thirty, I'm taking the team that was more competitive. So that game.
1: what's your definition of a blowout? Because right now, you have, it's got to I mean, be a game that's somewhat competitive. Okay. like if
2: Notre Dame goes and plays Ohio State and it looks yeah. a lot like the Ohio State game, the Fiesta Bowl in 2015, you know, it's like you know 45 to 28 right? right but it was never really competitive even though yeah. notre dame scored in the third quarter to make it 28 21 it was kind of like i compared to like the mich what was the, what was the what was hardball's first year and it was like 13 10 at halftime and a buddy would buddy text me he's like yo i think michigan's got a shot And i was like dude this game's not even close right like the score was not indicative of how convincing Ohio State was beating Michigan up in the trenches. And then the second half, Ohio State just rolls. Away. I think finals final was like 42-13 or something <clears> like that. <throat> yeah. Sometimes you can watch a game and it's like the – the I feel like the Ohio, the Notre Dame-Cincinnati game was like that last year. The final score of 24-13 was not indicative of how thoroughly Cincinnati outplayed Notre Dame in that <laughs> agreed. game. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Right? It can't be like that, All where right, okay. even though it was an 11-point game, you did not belong on the field that day with a playoff team right it can't be that now if another team's just better okay they're better you know and and because to me it's not point spread because you could be up you could be down seven and you get the ball at the end and oh here's a perfect example Notre Dame lost to Georgia by six in 2019 in a game that for three and a half quarters up to or really for 58 minutes up until that final drive was a close game Mm -hmm. seven point Notre Dame's down six you know let's say that let's say that Ian book throws a pick six on fourth and five and they run it back. And all of a sudden it's a third, it's a, you know, yeah. six point game. That's not a double digit loss to me. You were in that game for, for, right. you know, now that game would have been a, a wider spread than the Cincinnati game was last year, 11 to 13, but that the Cincinnati game wasn't nearly as competitive as the Georgia game was. Right. So I can't look at point spread. I have to look at how the game was played out. Okay. You know, like, gotcha. You know, Ohio State last year only lost to Oregon by seven, but they Oregon outplayed Ohio State for sixty minutes. Right? They just had no quarterback to put the game away. So it's got to be a game where it's like, you know what? Like, yeah, they they belonged, and then you know, as the year went on, they got better in some areas. And even though they lost by ten in the opener, they they were a better football team. You know, like uh, Ohio State losing to to Virginia Tech by fourteen. I don't. I didn't. Ohio State got outplayed that game, but they they didn't get like destroyed. Like what I'm saying is it can't be Miami 2017. Okay. Yeah. You know it, it can't be over. It, yeah, it can't be Michigan started. 2019. Yeah. It can't right, be something right. like that. It, gotcha. You know, you know, if it's if it's like last year's Cincinnati game and you clearly have one of the four best resumes, you're in. Right? Yeah. But if it's like 2017 Miami, I just have a hard time what, seeing a playoff team and that was my knock against Ohio State in 2018, so I have to be fair. You know, that's the reason I said Ohio State, as good as they were, even at twelve and one in twenty eighteen, I said they don't belong. They went on the road against freaking Purdue and got destroyed. Right. You know, like you have to be consistent, right? So if Notre Dame goes on the road against Ohio State and just gets dismantled, they'd have to have a clearly better resume than anybody else to be a playoff team, in my opinion. You know, or or they would have to have an equally convincing win later. Yeah. So they'd have to go out and like just just dismantle a good Clemson team the same way the same way where you can say look we're a different team explain it away because that was in
1: November this was in September yeah
2: absolutely it's kind of like what was it you and I that were talking the other day Vince where we we were talking about us or talking about um, no it was I was on Mark Rogers show uh, the voice of college football and he was talking about how you know you you have to have a rule where a team with three losses can't make the postseason and I'm like yeah but. Let's think about that 2016 USC team that went one and three to start the season, but by November could beat anybody. I mean, that USC team in 2016 by by November could have played with anybody in my opinion, outside of maybe Clemson that year. Right. And so it's like, you, you, you got to look at who they are, but at sure. the same time, if the resumes are close, I'm, I'm kicking out the team that got blown out. Right. And so, you know, that's why I say, you've got to be competitive in that game, but if you are, you go into November with a chance to play for something. That's where Notre Dame should be, gotcha. and then yeah, what do absolutely. they do from there? Yeah. What do they do from there? That's going to be the big question. Yep. But it's. I mean, I think I've laid out why I'm excited about this football team, and and, and I think we also laid out some reasons why it's understandable why some people. I've, are, I've got uh, a healthy skepticism. Don't get yeah. me wrong. There, we, 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 laid we both the, have a little bit of BK
1: PTSD in us. No, so doubt. Let's be no let's doubt. Be honest. No doubt about it, and and it helps. And I will say, I have an advantage over everybody that's in the chat. I'm going to go watch these guys in person right. and I'm going to see something different, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's the attitude, whether it's the, you know, whatever, I'm going to see something different. And it's going to allow me mm-hmm. to kind of take that breath and be like, okay, this isn't yeah. the last decade. This is different. Let's have some fun this year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, right. it, it, we, I do have that advantage and I would love the fact that I had that advantage and I'm looking forward to that. And I think a lot of questions are going to get answered before they kick the ball off on September 3rd. But there's still questions, and I right. get where people are coming from. I get it. I'm, I don't, I try not to push back a whole lot on people unless they're completely ridiculous. You know what I mean? Because there are a lot of questions. I feel like you and I are in a position to answer a lot of those questions right now. But again, mm-hmm. it is projecting, but I feel yeah. really good about that, you know, and I don't go out on a limb very often. No, that's going to hurt us, Mike. Mike, we don't have Kane Madden this year, and
2: he's right. We don't. But that's the point, though. With all those issues last year, they went eleven and yeah. one. Kane Madden was part of an eleven and one football team. Okay. Right. It's- that that was a a stop and a score away from beating a playoff team at home in a game right. they played like garbage and,
1: and and he blocked for a
2: guy who got drafted in the NFL right so. like I really don't think fans under well I think a lot of our fans do I don't think a lot of maybe a lot of people really understand outside of no uh, outside of maybe this group that I do think is pretty educated just how bad Notre Dame played against Cincinnati last year it is ugly. So and like, again, it was just out talent. It was just their talent kept them in that game. I mean, it's just had the Cincinnati, right. had a better roster than Cincinnati, right. top to bottom. It, the difference is Cincinnati had enough at the top where they could right. beat you. Absolutely. They had a quarterback that could make plays. They had a cornerback that could just embarrass your best receiver. Right. You know, uh, you know they 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 had enough guys that they could right. gotten, you know right nothing
1: to combat that. And right. I, and from a coaching standpoint, is what I'm right. talking about. They they had talent. They just yep. didn't combat it in the right areas. So anyway.
2: So that's it, Vince. That's going to be it for this part of the show. We we, we have a mailbag coming up, but before we move on to that, so don't really leave. We're not done yet. We got some questions to go. We have some really good questions, too. Hit that like button, subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast. And if you're listening via podcast, give us a five star review. Sign up for the message board at boards at oursbreakdown.com. And of course, check out our content at you <laughs>